This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Cheese, so many dudes. Every single dude. All the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Couldn't Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. Ooh, that was gorgeous. We're like, are we singers or comedians? I mean, it's really tough to tell. Poo-poo platter both? I mean, sounds great. Um, So guys, uh, Wonderistos, sex heads, this week is a very special episode of our podcast. Um, So last week, if you guys are um, just tuning in and want to sort of be caught up, last week we discussed the season finale of season one of Sex and the City. And before we head into to dissecting season two, we decided to do a special, uh, I'll call it a bridge episode, if mm, you will. Bridge. Um, yeah, we uh, we wanted to do sort of a special interactive episode before getting into season two. So since Sex and the City is obviously a very sexy show, today we are joined by Kimberly Resnick Anderson. She is a certified sex and relationship therapist, a speaker, and a professor with over 25 years of experience, and she is here today to help us answer sex, dating, friendship, etc. questions that were sent in by our awesome listeners. Welcome to our podcast, Kimberly. Thank you for being here. It is my pleasure. I'm so excited. We are so thrilled to have you. You've been here for two seconds, and I'm already obsessed with you. Yeah. <laughs> there were just... some pre-recording chat that... You guys are in for a real good time. Yeah, I'm already having like a 10 out of 10 time. Me too. (laughs) I love that. So before we get to know Kimberly more and ask her all these fabulous, juicy questions about her very fabulous and juicy life, we're going to do our favorite segment that we kick off the show with. This week, I was a total. Jamie, who are you this week? Um, I I guess I was a bit of a I think I was a Charlotte Miranda combo, mm. which is an odd combo. Very odd. Combo. Yeah, they are kind of polar opposites in many ways. But I believe I was a Charlotte because um, I'm thinking of like later seasons of Sex and the City or a later se- season of Sex and the City when we saw Charlotte, um, you know, pretty raw and depressed in a particular episode. I'm not going to go into the details about it, but um, we saw, uh, you know, uh, what Kristen Davis and she was like wearing no makeup and she was crying and um, really going through a hard time and I felt like I was kind of that raw exposed nerve this past week um, just dealing with some work stuff which is why I'm uh, Miranda 
Charlotte combo because Miranda's, you know, she's a, a, a boss bitch. Yeah. And um, so no, I was kind of bitch. Yeah. Or yeah, workaholic. <laughs> sure. I'm like, I mean, workaholic, you're yeah. like empowered boss bitch. I know. I know. I'm like definitely workaholic. Um, yeah. So I was kind of both. I am about to start production on um, my very first show that's like my show. And thank you so much. Bye, I really Barbara. appreciate it. Yeah. And I, um, there was just some like, I'm in this place where I'm, um, about to be uh, the host of this show, but also I am an executive producer, which I have talked about a little bit before. And it's just a lot of, you have to wear many hats at one time and you have to make a lot of decisions and it can be really overwhelming. And I'm trying to be good at it and not feel so overwhelmed that I like crumble. And uh, yeah, last week I did not succeed at that, but I'm hopeful for the following weeks uh, that I will be stronger and better. Jamie is always, you know, Always proud of Jamie. She's working really hard. Oh, and thank you. She is wearing a lot of hats. She's wearing a kooky side hat. She's I wearing mean, a chef's hat. She's wearing a beanie. She's yes. wearing a Rasta hat with some of the dreads. Yeah, it's pretty offensive, to be honest. You but, guys, you it's know, culturally insensitive. She's wearing like a, I don't know. I can't even get I, into I like, it. I think you named all the hats. Trucker hat, Avon Dutch hat, obviously. Yeah, it's like, in, in multiple it's like, colors with rhinestones. Yeah, Jamie, I know you're wearing a lot of hats and things are going hard, but it's like hard for the people around you to like see yeah, it. Yeah, see oh, so many hats stacked on top of each other. I know, I know. Um, you know, it's a fashion choice that I make and stand by. So deal with it, everybody. I know what I'm talking about and I know fashion. Joking aside, you're a badass and I think it's nice that you're sharing your process because as much as it is so fucking cool and amazing that you are executive producing your own show, you're starring your own show, it's it's incredible. We're all so proud of you and it's really inspiring. People have to know that also people that have these big responsibilities, it's not just, it's not all just convertibles and scarves <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> It's not all just That's like an incredible image. It's not all just like shrimp cocktails. <sighs> shrimp cocktails and it's tiny expensive and forks. Overthinking yeah. too. It's a lot of crying and overthinking. That's very well put. There you um, go. Okay, um, who are you this week? Um, I think I was Carrie. Okay. Because even though Carrie has ups and downs, bitch, she has a really fun life and she has a lot of fun. And I was coming out of a bit of an emotional, I don't know, I was feeling a little weepy and depressed like a week ago. And I feel like I'm like getting back into myself. Like Yay. I worked out this week. I felt really physically strong. I went to some fun parties. I'm writing a, a short film that I'm really excited about That's that great. I'm going to direct and star in. And I just kind of feel like, okay, bitch, you're coming back. Like you're life is fabulous yes. you're making it fabulous and I also think that like I push myself to make my life great like if I'm going through a weird time and I hear about something cool if I don't have anyone to go with I just go myself like mm. I just feel like I'm single but I never let that stop me from doing like really cool fun shit all I the time I also feel like the the headline here is like self-sufficiency and and um, feeling like fortified within yourself as opposed to like reaching for outside sources for that strength yeah I mean I think it's a combo because I do feel like I do need people and I do well, need external of course, things. Of course, of course. But I feel like, yeah, I don't feel like it's necessarily not to like mince your words, but I don't think it, the way I feel about it personally is not that it's self-sufficient. It's more just like self-loving, mm. you know, because I am super I do really depend on like friends and people and I really need that. But yeah. I just feel like. I just feel strong. I, I honestly think I hadn't worked out in a really long time. And now that I'm oh, regularly it, doing it changes yoga, everything, I just feel like. I just feel like, okay, girl, you got this. It just does a lot for my endorphins. Yeah, I know. So, it's funny. I went to a yeah. therapist once and I was, whatever, I, this was like 10 years ago. I was just complaining about having anxiety and 
And he goes, do you work out? And I was like, oh, I mean, I like walk a lot. I live in New York. So obviously I'm just like strolling constantly. Then he was like, no, do you like get your heart rate up? And I was like, I mean, sometimes I walk fast. Like I just like (laughs) didn't want him to be right. And he's like, you need to be doing like hard, hard, like cardio and weightlifting if you want to even just be like baseline fine. And I thought that was really interesting. He also was not a fit man. So the fact that he was giving me that advice was like really interesting. But I not to be rude, but do you work out? What? To him. Oh, yeah. I know. I was kind of like, okay, well, like, take your own advice. But also, it was, like, helpful because I was going through a hard time and working out really helped me a lot. Like, almost in more ways than I could have even it's, realized. It's a game changer. When I, I always think, because, like, I have depression, but I never had, like, a big breakdown in high school. And I truly think the reason that I didn't, the reason that I was okay in high school is I was on the basketball team and I was literally working out four yeah. hours a day. And I think the fact that I was just endorphins and sweating for hours and hours was like yeah I was depressed but I was like managing it because of my health I think yeah um Kimberly we're so excited to ask you who are you this week well I was a combo as oh, well okay. combo. combo in the house I was a Carrie Miranda combo it's okay. a great blend is that a good blend I love that blend I think it's a gorgeous blend I was Carrie because I am in real life a sex writer columnist yeah and you have a podcast yes and i have a podcast savvy listen to it guys it's fab also you're very stylish i love your necklace thank you so i was carrie because carrie seems to experience life through the lens of sexuality and relationships and i do as well it's been my life's work for over 25 years i went into the field with a specific burning interest in trying to understand the role of sex in our culture and you know how shifts come and go and how trends come and go Mm. and um after 25 years i'm still just as compelled by that as i was you know before i pursued the career full-time so i'm a i'm sort of a, a carry all the lifelong time carry. You are i'm a lifelong yeah, carry perpetual carry yeah i see everything through the sexuality lens and i even <laughs> make someone's like what do you want for dinner you're like a banana a corn dog yeah, and exactly everything's phallic yeah uh, and you know i make innuendo without even realizing sometimes that i'm making innuendo so saucy sauce. so i am a carry Okay. Um, all the time. And then uh, the combo comes in because uh, this past week I was pretty Miranda-ish mm. in terms of being neurotic yeah. and trying to manage. You know, I'm I'm in private practice. I'm the executive producer and host and content producer for my own podcast. So I, d- I do all that. So mm. welcome to the club. Oh, yes. Thank um, you. And I have a full-time practice and I teach at the medical school at UCLA and I have three kids. Oh, so shit, it's Kimberly. a lot. Oh, my God. How you do you do have everything. makeup on right now? How do you even look like you got sleep? I don't know. You do it all. Yeah, I work I seven days like, a week. You do it all. Women, we do it all. But like, you do it all. Well, I do it all. But, you know, it all suffers a little bit. Sure. Because <laughs> like, I haven't seen my kids in three years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, I work seven days a week. Yeah. My youngest said the other day, well, you know, I said something about being somewhere. And he goes, well, yeah, well, you've been gone the last 12 Aww. days in a row. Uh-oh, so, okay. But two boys in college and one in high school. So they don't need me like they used to. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Carrie Miranda. Okay, Love it. great. Well, we have um yeah, we're just uh we're so thrilled to have you. So many things we want to ask you. Rose, you want to kick it off? Yeah, yeah. We're going to we're going to get to the questions, the listener questions, but first like we've got this just incredible gal just sitting here radiating interestingness and we got to <laughs> chip away at this little marble chip, chip, sculpture. Draw. Chip chip, chip, chip true. true. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, Kimberly, um, 
why I guess we'll just start with saying like why did you become a sex and relationship therapist like what inspired you to do this kind of work and is there sort of like a favorite part of your job oh great question I think as I just mentioned in my uh, talking about Carrie that for a very long time since adolescence or before I sort of experienced life through the lens of sexual energy sex positivity and and was sort of struck by all the taboos in our culture and all the negativity and the shame. Mm. Um, I was curious why some couples were able to be faithful and others weren't. Um, I was interested in um, sexual differences and, you know, communities, alternative lifestyles. I treat a lot of, I'm a kink friendly therapist. I treat a lot of LGBTQ individuals. Um, Kinky. So I also do your garden variety, like erectile dysfunction and and (laughs) orgasm disorders and low drive and incompatible sexual interests. And um, favorite part of my work is probably the kink stuff. Tell us about that. Yeah, get into that. Um, What do you like about it? Kink it it out. I like trying to help people sort of make friends with their sexual script and their arousal template. Because what does a, what's an arousal template? You don't have an Excel spreadsheet of your arousals? I love the, the term arousal template. I mean, Isn't that's that the name of term? my new indie band that I'm starting right <laughs> after this template. podcast. Uh, it, we can pull up your arousal template right now. <laughs> oh it's my just God. like sushi, the Americana. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Palm Springs, the Ace Hotel. Sorry. No, that's great. That's, that's my arousal. Cold brew. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty. It's like being in a dark room with no one else there yeah catching up on euphoria on hbo those are my do you love it i love it okay anyways but tell us but you're kidding but actually you're not you're pretty (gasps) close because the arousal template and we all have one it's like a fingerprint or, or a blueprint um and it it is informed by the things that turn us on yeah um in an erotic sense so some people are mine is um, massage i love massage massage yes 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 um but it has to do more thematically with the way you have sex and express yourself sexually and receive and give pleasure so what's a theme a theme might be humiliation mm-hmm. or oh, interesting or um domination i thought you were gonna be like tiki <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's about Hawaii, <laughs> Star Wars, rustic, rustic barn, no, um, French country. Yeah. It's really the raw, primal sexual impulses that we have and whether we respond more to um, being so-called a top or a bottom mm-hmm. in terms of sex. So if you're more dominant or more submissive, that would be a theme that would be, inform your arousal template. I think my theme is submissive French country. Okay. <laughs> Sounds beautiful, honestly. What about yours, Jamie? Sounds enchanting. Um, I think mine is cold brew. <laughs> I don't have an answer. I don't know. Is it, wait, I had a question, though. Just I was curious about this. Like, have you ever had someone who it's like one person comes in mm-hmm. and they're like, here are my kinks. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm into. And they're with a partner who is more vanilla. And Absolutely. I don't know if that's a, an offensive term in that's the sex term community. I use. Oh, it is. It Great. is a term Great. that I also, use. Also, vanilla is delicious. It's one of the top flavors. I'm just going to say. I, I, yeah, I don't like I, that it gets a bad rap. I actually, that's kind of my bread and butter. Yeah. Also, um, professionally, bread vanilla flavor bread too. and butter. <laughs> But I see a lot of couples where starving. one is wanting to introduce consensual non-monogamy into the relationship or have an open marriage. 
And the oh. other one is reticent to do so. So I help them negotiate their boundaries. Can I ask, when you see that, mm-hmm. typically, mm-hmm. does it is it a sign that things are not solid between them? Not necessarily. Really? Not necessarily. Okay. But I do encourage couples to have a solid foundation before they dip their toe in that pool. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they think that in and of itself will kind of heal the relationship or spice things up but only I when like it would spice things to an exploding point exactly exactly and it's it's really tricky it's rare that that uh two people are equally invested in it usually one is more into it than the other mm-hmm. and one is sort of under duress agreeing yeah. now there are couples out there that are both into it and they love it and they don't have any issues and they don't come see me they're not my patients of course, you're seeing yeah. so i'm seeing the ones who are seeking counsel because there's some sort of conflict or incompatibility can you make a generalization that the people that are pushing the open thing more tend to be men or not not necessarily. You so would be you see surprised, a girlfriend. Half half. I see Ooh, girlfriend. I see quite a mix. I have a couple that I'm working with right now, and she's the one who wants to open things up. And he is the one that says he, you know, he thought he could do it. Mm-hmm. He really wanted to be able to do it, but he can't do it. And so now they're trying to decide what to do, whether is that sorry, is that is the reason sort of like is it an ego clash? sort of thing or is it more like a, what if she falls in love it's all of the above yeah yeah it's i don't want anyone else to fuck her right it's i don't want her to fall in love with anyone else i don't want her to compare me to anyone else sexually mm. and um the level of anxiety that it, it produces in him it makes him physically sick and depressed Aww. well that doesn't that seem like a good combo so hard it's not it's so yeah. rough. and she actually was doing it on the down low sure because she was hoping she could sort of get something out of her system and he would never know. Yeah. And she, when I see a couple, I see them together and then I see them each individually and I take a sexual history and a family history and talk about their sexual development and all the influences that inform their sexual values. And she disclosed to me that she was sleeping with other men. Yeah. And so she's already doing like he's she's already, already doing, she's already it. doing it regardless. So that's probably compounding his anxiety. Well, he didn't know officially, but he oh, knew sort of intuitively. And so I talked with her. I don't keep secrets. I don't break secrets like it's not my job to tell on someone. But what I did is I encouraged her to consider the pros and cons of disclosing. Hmm. And she was like, are you kidding? Like, no way would I ever tell like that would kill him, break you him, know, yeah. and and we would break up. He'd, and so I was like, OK, well, that's possible. But here's what else is possible. You know, and I, I sort of went over the potential benefits of telling and how on some level he already fucking knew. Mm-hmm. Like it was just you could feel it. You know you what I mean? Tell. It was palpable. So she thought about it for a little while and decided that she would come clean and actually disclosed it in my office. I was there to kind of facilitate. She and I made a plan. You were like the moderator. Yeah, so that if it got really bad, I could be there to intervene and How did it assess. go? How, how um, was it? Well, A, he strongly suspected. Mm-hmm. B, he appreciated her telling him. Mm. And C, he didn't break up with her. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. So do now they're think, working on it, yeah. but it's it's hard. I mean, they have a lot of healing to do. Right. Yeah. Wow. Can, it's good stuff. Can I ask you something about like your background personally? Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like you had this really sex positive. Were you somebody who like 
masturbated early and like enjoyed sex early and like did you not have any did you did you find sex kind of easy to enjoy early i did and i think that makes a big difference because do you think it was because like your parents or what do you think made you have this sort of like positive early sexual experience uh i do think it was my parents i think that they were very um you're like we all fucked it was weird but we got through it <laughs> and seen the we're Game stronger of yeah <laughs> that was based on my family yeah. oh my god lannisters Game of Kimberly. Um, you know and i i can't explain it except to they're just positive I, people in a yeah. good happy relationship do, yeah, do they have a good relationship Actually, they were divorced. Interesting. Um, when that I was, is a form of a good relationship. Sometimes absolutely. not being together means you guys yeah. are great. <laughs> and, and just you know, my dad is a psychiatrist, so he's oh. a mental health provider. Wow. And so he's they very were open about sex with you. Yeah, he was very um, relational, sort of psychologically minded. And wow. so everything was sort of discussable. There's a, a quote huge. from Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Mm. My favorite quote is what's mentionable is manageable. Oh, isn't that awesome? Love. Put it on your Instagram. Oh, I just stamped it on my soul. That <laughs> isn't is that great. No, those are so words to live by. That's one of the rules in my office. I have a big phallic pillar, like yes. a column in my office. Yes, it literally do. looks like a, you know, 15 foot penis mm. statue. And you're like, that's a replica of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> no, penis. no, but <laughs> May he, rest he always seems like such a nice guy. But the reason he's so nice it's and because confident, he was very low. You have down nothing there. to prove. No, no, no. It was a cannon in his pants. <laughs> no, but this phallic pillar happens to be Gun. covered in a white erase finish, like a marker, like a dry erase board. Yeah. So I can use it as like an easel or an art therapy wall. Oh, my So I have all sorts God. of great quotes. You have to come to my office and I, see. I mean, I'm making an appointment right I after have, we end. I have quotes, <laughs> sex positive quotes, and I have some psychoeducation about the phases of sexual response and the components of sexual identity. And on, the, on my wall, on the top, like in a big bubble, right, it says what's mentionable is manageable. And I'm always reminding my patients, you know, if you can talk about it, we can handle it. It's the shame of the secret, right? That keeps yeah. people in yeah. the dark. My old therapist always used to say, there's nothing you can't talk about. Nothing. Because if you don't talk about it, it's yep. going to come out anyway. So yes. you might as well talk about it. Absolutely. It's not like not talking about it solves it. It, no. just, makes it, worse. it, just, it just there kicks the can down the road, away, right? It, or yeah, makes, it makes you, you rot away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I have an elephant, a little stuffed elephant in my office. And whenever someone's trying to avoid something, I'll hold up the elephant. I'll say, there's an elephant in the room, right? Oh my God, and I love that you like use toys. I, I, Girls, you have to come see my vulva puppet. Oh, it's anatomically correct. I think we're gonna Stop. have a couldn't help a wonder field trip. I think, yeah, do I think it, we need to we need to take this show have, on the road, head over to Burbank, I have dilators, and see you. dildos, Incredible. condoms. We're gonna come and just me and Jamie are just gonna be wearing uh, robes. We're gonna get there. We're gonna take <laughs> off our robes and we're gonna be like fix us. Yes. I love this plan. Um, so to tie what you're talking yeah. about into Sex in the City, mm-hmm. which is, as we say all the time on this show, a very sexy show. It is. Um, yeah. Do you think Do you think the show had a net positive or negative impact on female sexuality? I would say net positive. Yeah. But there certainly were stereotypes that they were perpetuating that Let's I didn't love. Yeah, like, for example, us. season one, episode 12, Come All mm. Ye Faithful. Yeah, girl. Um, uh, Samantha's preoccupation with her new lover's penis size. Mm. Like, that is so not helpful. I treat men who are preoccupied with their penis size, and they're 
but it it becomes all consuming, mm. especially if they have OCD or some kind of body dysmorphic disorder. I've treated men who were suicidal because Aww. they um, didn't feel like they had, uh, you know, what weren't well endowed. And um, awful. I've also treated men who went to extreme lengths to enlarge enhance. their penis yeah. or enhance. Extreme lengths, pun intended or no? Extreme lengths, pun intended. See, I make innuendos. I don't even know what oh I'm doing. Oh my God. Did they buy like the Austin Powers penis? <laughs> they bought everything you can think of. Is there anything you can do to make your penis bigger if no, it's small? It's a nothing. great question, actually. No. It's kind of crazy that there's not no, a the, surgery and for the, it. And the hundreds of millions. Well, well, so the hundreds of millions of dollars that people spend to to grow or stay hard or whatever it is. Um, some guys, you know, it's all these contraptions you can buy online and none of them are like FDA approved or. Oh, God. Or, oh my God. It's just like a bag of bees and you just like stick your dick in <laughs> and like, hope it gets stung into like a huge size. Made Seriously. in a basement by some like bored teenager. I'm treating oh a God. young man now. He's in his 20s and he damaged his penis so badly that he needed to get an implant a permanent oh, penile implant my at 20 god. something and oh, he's so depressed that is so sad so that pissed me off that they made um, men feel even worse about it of course and and they made it sound like it's a deal breaker and you can't be with someone and that women really care that much which they don't men care and they think that women care and seeing samantha cry in the restroom at that club because you know he, he, she couldn't feel his gherkin right yeah. um it's like kind of toxic masculinity a little yeah, yeah it's, it's like perpetuating insecurity that yeah. it's it's already problematic for men so in that regard yes there are some i think there were some unhelpful things but i would say overall definitely net gain yeah if you were the therapist to each of the characters mm, in real life at the I end i do of, pretend that at the end of I season one about that okay you i'm have. like get love me fucking have. charlotte in the room right now <laughs> <Okay>. she'll be <laughs> begging for mercy amazing well we're like, gonna i want to slap carrie Wait, before we before yeah. you get there. I yeah. love it. No, I love that Carrie would pay to come see you and then all you do is slap her and you're like, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> so your time is up. See you next Carrie's week. Carrie's a spoiled little bitch. I don't like her that much. Wow. Okay. Well hold your whoa, horses. Whoa, so we're whoa. gonna get there. Wait, I actually can you finish that thought? I want to hear about how Carrie's a spoiled little Carrie's, bitch. Um not a mature psychologically minded woman <gasps> let's hear it that's so interesting tell us really yes tell me everything oh. that's such an interesting take i've never heard that yeah i mean you gotta love carrie right i mean i'm a real life carrie except i'm married i'm not single so that defeats kind of the whole you're point married, of the show married bradshaw i'm, I'm married, married bradshaw. bradshaw there yeah. you go there you go um i just often find her to be annoying and um her character i love Sure. Sarah Jessica of course. Parker. We, yeah. yeah, of course. Um, annoying and uh, immature. I and do not feel that way. Selfish. I really like her. Really? Yeah. But I've heard this. I've heard yeah, this wait, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. Selfish. Yeah. Yeah. It comes like, up. This entitled. Is like, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like game player with guys. I hate when she plays games. Like she showed up at church to spy on Big <gasps> and Mama Big. Yeah. Pissed me off. Interesting that you think that's game that's playing because Big, crossing. we've talked a lot about Big on the show and we always sort of default to blaming Big. No. So it's interesting Carrie to hear you blame Carrie. acting out all over the place. Oh my God. This is eye opening. Totally. She intruded on his privacy. 
She demanded that he introduce her to, to his mother. She demanded that he tell her that she's the one. Do you want him to lie? Like, how dare you wow. demand, you entitled bitch? Oh, my God. If she came in your office, you would say that. What if she came into your office, though, and was like, I feel oh, like I've been gaslighting me. But he has kind of been gaslighting her throughout the well, season. They act out. They, they both act out. Interesting. They're colluding in an acting out dynamic. Oh! <gasps> Oh my God, sexual collusion. Yeah, oh I'm my God. Sexual collusion is huge in my practice. Really? Yeah, I treat a lot of couples who are in sexless marriages and they collude to not have sex, but they don't actually officially say that they're not having sex. Collusion is a big thing. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, we're going to go into all these amazing listener questions, but before we did, Mm -hmm. if you were at the end of season one, the episode that you just watched, Mm -hmm. if you had each of the girls, Mm. each of the four as clients, Mm -hmm. and you were writing in your little book, or you were talking to me, a fellow therapist, how would you diagnose each one? I love Love this question. That's such a great question, Rose. Um... Where to begin? I would say... I'm your peer and we're having coffee and you're like, these are my okay, clients. Okay, so I met this chick, Samantha. Okay. She's... Um, <laughs> this chick. Met this chick, Samantha, and she's uh, sexually compulsive. Okay. Um, I wouldn't exactly call her a sex addict. Okay. But um, she's promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, she puts herself in risky situations. Mm-hmm. Um, she is pretty superficial. Um, I would probably diagnose her with some sort of personality disorder. Like histrionic narcissism. Yeah, like histrionic. What do you think her wound is? What's what do you histrionic think? again? I forget. It's someone who gets hysterical, emotion, oh. emotionally dysregulated. Okay. Sort of like always, oh, oh my God. Like uh-huh. always an emergency, always a crisis. Got we know it. people like that. Yeah. And yeah. what would you say her core wound is? What would you say her like big... If we had to guess, we don't know her childhood. Yeah. But like, what so would you I guess? Would we guess. don't really know any of their childhood. It's just kind of fun to guess. So I'm going to. We just know Miranda gonna has do, a mom. I'm going to do my fantasy version yeah, of each of their childhood. Yeah, let's do the fantasy version of uh, be, based on their behavior. Based what on, you would yeah, assume based on their characters. Yeah. yeah. So I would assume that Samantha received a lot of unwanted attention from boys at mm-hmm. a young age, mm-hmm. sexualized when she was really young. Yes. Yep. Interesting. And about her parents made her feel kind of like that was all her worth or something. Uh, go girl. I've been a lot of therapy. Oh, girl. You guys are a power duo, honestly. (laughs) What a team. So that's her whole priority because that's what people tell her that she's worth. That's right. Okay. Yep. So that would be my guess because I see Samantha's for real all the time. I see all of them all the time. They're really every woman, right? Mm. They're like four iconic tropes, right? Sure. Um, What about Charlotte? Charlotte is the sort of goody-goody, uptight... Um, rule follower, overactive, super ego. Her pathology is um, that she feels like she's not like, for example, season one, episode 12, she had to go to the to the psychic to see when she was going to get married as if that was the focus of her life that she would only count or matter or be legitimate if and when she found a husband. Mm -hmm. So I would discourage that in a modern woman for sure. Yeah. So what do you think that is psychologically? I think that's just being a product of our society. society. Insecure or? Um, yeah, I think, 
you know, she's very socialized to be insecure. Exactly. Maybe she's very yeah. like romantic. Like I want the the you know, she was the good housekeeper. I mean, what was the the photo shoots that she did where they came with the magazine and she yeah. had like the perfect life? I, I think that was later on. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. Trent she, or she's something. very yeah, when all, she was married. And yeah, they're all four of them are sort of status obsessed in different, different ways. ways. But it for doesn't sure, sound like Charlotte, you think, necessarily has like an actual psychological problem. If sure, if I had to diagnose maybe Pollyanna, maybe um, a little bit like overly um, damsel in distress. Mm. Victimy, you think? Um, not victimy, but like, oh gosh, I don't know. Let me think about this. She's sort of, um, well, she's very judgmental. Yeah. Well, I had a theory, and I think I said this in an earlier episode, that she actually is a little more like eclectic and bohemian than she wishes she were she was were. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah yeah because there's a lot of in season one like she you know obviously she works uh, in an art gallery right. she has this sort of like not that you you can't be uptight and be into art that's not what i'm saying but i do feel like she has these kind of like whimsical she, instincts that she fights constantly she, does. She's she in wishes conflict. and she i wants actually to, yeah, she wants to be the southern belle i relate to her which not, i'm yeah. just having a breakthrough on this podcast <gasps> because i grew up with like very epiphany epiphany time um i wish i had like a bell to ring to punctuate <laughs> well, that. God, we need an epiphany bell on the we pod Sound effect, Chelsea. Yes. Uh, But I I grew up with parents who were in the music industry, Mm -hmm. and um, I always kind of felt like I was the straight-laced one, and my parents were kind of the wild cards. Mm -hmm. And so I've noticed, like, Mm -hmm. even with I pursue comedy, which is, you know, an art form and a very, like, kooky, chaotic career. Transgressive. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so, but I have felt myself being like, I want to be corporate Mm -hmm. about this thing that's very not corporate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Charlotte Charlotte has a little bit of that where she's like, oh, I wish I was cookie cutter, da da da. And I think maybe she's actually not at her core. She's she's sort of fundamentally inhibited. Yeah. Is what I would say. Yes. What would your fantasy of her childhood be? What do you think makes a person mm. like that, if you'd have to guess? I would say uh, moralistic parents and maybe religion. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, they, they do mention that she's Episcopalian. They right. say that so many times right? in the show, and so I'm like, it's what like does a that thing. mean? Well, it means uptight, waspy, okay, we don't talk about sex. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what so that means. So she might be a little repressed. Okay. Maybe. A little repressed, yeah. Um, Miranda, does she have a pathology? Ooh, she, is she mentally ill in any way? Miranda. If I had to pick a favorite, I think I would pick Miranda. She actually seems kind of sane to me, honestly. She does seem like the most well-adjusted, even sure. though she has her escapades, and she does... See, here's the thing. This is just my... I don't know, my commentary on series. Mm-hmm, sure. That they write in things that don't fit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. But I loved in season one, episode 12, where she told her lover, sex is not simple. The guy that was taking the shower after yeah. sex. Yeah, I love he, that scene. He wanted to purify himself because right. sex is inherently dirty. Yes. And she was like, no, like that's fucked up. You know, this, there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. So I love that. Yeah. I love that she's smart and educated and independent. I love that she had a baby. Like, I just think she's But if cool. she was your client, you would not... If, if I was your... She doesn't seem to have a real she problem. Has, she like, has like a, a psychological of, problem. She has some self-esteem problem, mm. do you think? Mm. Yeah, I think she feels like the ugly duckling of the quad. I yeah. would definitely agree with that. Um, we had some moments throughout season one where I felt like she... Yeah. Oh, yeah, really, no one would fuck me, remember? Yeah. I remember when no she... No one wanted to have a threesome with her. Yeah. Yeah, so I think she definitely feels like the other ladies are out of her league. There was even a moment... Um, in the episode that you just spoke of yeah. where 
uh, the women hop in the cab at the end. And uh, Samantha's new lover says, it's the most beautiful women in New York. And she's like, I'll let you know if we see them. Remember that? She's like, no. oh, if, if, we, if we find them, I'll let you know. Well, isn't this the most beautiful women? And she's like, no, but if I see them, I'll let you know. Just like a put down. Put down, very self-deprecating. There was a time where she wore braces, yep. do you remember? Sure. And then she had postpartum depression. She just seems to me like the most down-to-earth, normal, real person. And what do you think... Miranda's issues would come from if you had to guess as a psychiatrist, psychologist. I would say that um, she was smart and not pretty yeah. and and sort of actualized her intelligence as a way to compete. Mm. Total opposite of Samantha, who was sexualized at a young age. Really interesting. I, I have a patient who told me I was taking a sexual history and she told me that her mom said to her she would pass in the dark. What does that mean? That means you're not pretty, but if the lights are off, you might be able to get a boyfriend. Oh, pass in the dark, like oh, that's pretty wow. mean. Like wow. not pass. Mm. Like she would be. It she it it would be acceptable if the lights were off. That's horrifying. Wow, that's that a horrible thing to say. Truly, the I worst could thing imagine, I've ever heard. I could imagine Miranda's mother having told her she would pass in the dark. <sighs> okay, <sighs> well that's horrifying. But the last one before we go into listener questions. You're talking to your friend who's a therapist, yes. and how are you diagnosing your new client, Carrie Bradshaw, and what do you think her childhood was like? Um, I think she was spoiled and and indulged, overindulged, and no one said no to her, and that she was probably her daddy's favorite. Mm. That's fascinating. And what do you think her problem is now? Like, what do you think her psychological problem is? Um, I think she's super neurotic, has anxiety. I would probably diagnose her with an anxiety disorder um, and maybe some, I don't know. She's, I mean, I don't want to pathologize everybody out to wazoo, but it's fun, right? To it's talk about best. it. I'm this having a blast. This is so interesting. <laughs> you know oh my God, I'm riveted. Re- was really fun to uh, diagnose was the Peanuts, Charlie Brown and his gang. They all uh. are a very clear diagnosis of mental illness. <gasps> yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Linus has anxiety. Charlie Brown has depression, right? Think about it. I never really. It's been a while. Yeah. Peanuts. Peppermint Patty head. has gender dysphoria. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, what does Pigpen wow. have? Pigpen. Um, Self-esteem issues. Yeah. Um, neglect. Yeah. Neglect. It's not really yeah. a diagnosis. It's no. more of like an abuse situation. Um, Lucy is like narcissistic and psychopathic. Right. Oh Pulling God. the football away. Sally is. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on and on, but I love. Take, I, I do it with for, you know my husband and I. We dissect our friends. So, we'll go to a party. I'm very good at picking up creepy vibes. Uh-huh. People have gaydar. I have creepdar. Uh-huh. And gaydar. Uh-huh. And transdar. Uh-huh. You have, have the dars. All. Yeah. I have all the dars. Yeah. I'm the queen of dar. Queen of dar. Um, but we'll go to a party and, my, and we'll meet a couple. We'll just at a whatever, just superficially at a cocktail yeah. party. And we'll leave. My husband will say, oh, John and Mary were nice. And I'll go, mm-mm. And I'll go, <laughs> creepy i'll go creepy go john was creepy Uh, and i'll be like oh my god john was so creepy he's like i didn't pick up on it i'm like because you don't have creep dar oh my god that's like that is one of the best things about being married is the downloading after a party postmortem yeah my husband and i love my god the postmortems are huge and family events too like we get in the car and we're like okay postmortem time oh yeah yeah it's cathartic to be able to uh to do that (laughs) yeah it's necessary so those are all impromptu diagnostic yeah just for fun yeah fabulous well we're just uh yeah i can't reiterate it enough we're really thrilled to have you and you're so knowledgeable and great which is why we uh have you here to 
help some of our listeners with their uh, questions that they wrote to us with. Um, so I'm going to read our first one. Okay. Okay. So uh, first listener question. Okay. I feel like there is a lot of advice dealing with romantic breakups or even cutting off ties with a family member, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of advice for when friendships reach a breaking point. I have a close friend that I grew up with. We've been friends since 13 and both been in LA about a decade, both in our mid thirties. We have a bunch of mutual friends from growing up, but logistically I end up seeing her far more than anyone else. She had a really terrible family life growing up. So I've always felt very compassionate towards her because of that. Unfortunately, she's never fully recovered from her upbringing and has a lot of issues in dating and friendships as a result. The past few years, I felt more like her therapist than her friend. Mm. She'll often ask me for advice. We'll get into it along. Oh, we'll get into a long, emotionally taxing conversation, and then she'll do the opposite of my advice. It's her prerogative to do whatever she wants, but years of this has made me less inclined to listen and try to help. I had a come to Jesus type talk with her last fall, sharing how uh, sharing how uneven our friendship feels, even though we spend a lot of time together, she barely knows or asks about my life. She agreed that this is true, was receptive, and has been slightly better, but I'm just feeling emotionally tapped out. I love her so much, but I can't fix her life. I've noticed recently that I'm spending way too much time thinking about her and her problems. I don't want to cut off our friendship since she's like family, but how can I set better boundaries and protect my emotional well being boom very boom. relatable question very relatable question I, I i mean all of these things are what people bring to therapy every day um the come to jesus moment was appropriate and it was uh, a, a diagnostic opportunity for her to assess whether her friend really has insight or not yeah so the fact that her friend was like yeah you're right you know, okay, and it got a little better, but not a lot better, tells me that her friend may be impervious to feedback, mm. uh, which would mean that she has to have very, very clear boundaries with her. Um, and and uh, if she's worrying about her and, you know, preoccupied with her friend's well-being, that's obviously a problem. There's an enmeshment there, and that's not healthy. So she can uh, also encourage her to find a legit therapist so she doesn't bring her problems to her. And if she is unable to extricate herself from that emotional burden, I would recommend pulling back. Mm -hmm. um, not permanently, not a cutoff, not burning a bridge, but just, you know, slowly reining in her availability. And that will actually help her friend to diversify and find other people who can serve as support systems for her. Mm. Have you been in the situation That's before, Jamie? I've had friends like this. Yeah, I definitely had. I have. I do have a friend where I feel like um, our pattern actually. I would say what the friendship hinges on is she requests my advice. I give it to her and it's truly not even slightly implemented. And then we have the same conversation right, again. over and over. And I That's did boring. end up having to distance myself because it's also like in this, in my particular situation, we didn't have another component to our friendship. It was just the therapy session. Mm. And so mm -hmm. it wasn't like a facet of our friendship. It mm -hmm. wasn't just like, oh yeah, we do that. But also we like have a lot of fun together it was like no we get together i give her therapy yeah. and then she doesn't implement it's so it and she has and been in this, yeah and she's been 
caught in a loop, truly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuck in her ways. And dependent on you. Yes, and stuck in her ways now for since I've known her for oh. like eight years. Wow. It just hasn't changed. Yep. Um, so, yes, I, I, I definitely can relate. I, 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 I think the come to Jesus moment, if you, if you value a friendship, it's worth, it's worth, you know, having that formal feedback and saying like, this is how I'm feeling. Basically, do you care how I'm feeling? Yeah. Right. That's the thing. And if they're like, oh shit, like I had no idea. Thank you so much for telling me. Right. Um, and then, then you see changes. That's what's mentionable is manageable. Right. But, yeah. but if you tell them and, and they're like, get defensive or they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then things don't change. Sounds like it's not really changing from it's, this. That's letter. what I'm saying. That's what it sounds like. I so think it's really, I, I would, I would definitely de-invest. Yeah, I think one thing that it's hard for me to relate to, the only thing is, like, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I've been friends with this person for 10 years, mm-hmm. therefore XYZ. Therefore, yeah. People I feel, love crutching on the number of how long you've no, known someone. I, th- this might be hardcore, but mm-hmm. I kind of feel like if somebody is not adding to your life, right. Enhancing. Then, then they need to it's go. Dead weight. Yeah, and I, and I think that, like, I don't know. I think that just like you had said, Kimberly, and just like this woman wrote to us, you give someone a chance to mm-hmm. be better. Right. Y- people aren't mind readers. Maybe she didn't know. You give them a chance, but if exactly. they don't step up, then you really have to decide, what am I getting out of this? I had a friend recently. I have a friendship currently with somebody who's been going through a really bad breakup for about six months, our entire friendship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our friendship has been me coaching her through the Mm -hmm. breakup. And that's appropriate because she's going through something. Right. But then recently I like went through like a mini depression like a couple weeks ago where I was just like crying and I told her about it. Mm -hmm. She kind of listened a little. She wasn't a great listener. And then two days later, she like texted me like just checking in. And I got really angry because I was like, I've called you mm-hmm. to, to have these hours long conversations. And then the first time I bring anything to you, you like text me something that sounds really checked out. And I had a conversation with her because I was like, I don't mean to be tit for tat, but like I have been so insanely there for you that like I, I started to feel resentful. And well, I told it has her. to be two sided. You know, when you're up, I'll, you know, uh, that's great. But when you're down and when I'm down there, there has to be. Um, flexibility in the relationship because you're going to struggle, I'm going to struggle and I'm there for you and you're there for me. But if I'm only there for you that and you're never gross. there for me, then then that's really not... It's not a, really a relationship. It's really not a relationship. Um, can I throw one other thing in here that I think is yes. maybe key to mention? Um, and I have talked about it before on the podcast, but I, I think that therapy is such an important component to what this woman sounds like her friend is going through. It sounds like having someone that she can really trust and and sort of air her feelings to um, would supplement and sort Absolutely. of uh, yeah. bear some of the burden uh, that her friend is sort Absolutely. of taking on. But I also think that um, meditating is really undervalued. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed in my own life, um, a lot of my sort of like cyclical thoughts and uh, thoughts that kind of just don't seem to dissipate. And I would tell to like my husband or my friends over and over I do think those can be uh, tremendously cut in half with meditation. It doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem by any means. It, it's not a, it's not a diagnosis. It doesn't replace a therapist. I'm not saying that at all, Sure, but it does give you a little bit of clarity of like of what's really getting it's to therapeutic, you. Yeah. yeah. So but I would just like somebody who tries, it sounds like this girl's not trying. No. I, and, and I think getting this type of person to do that, to do it is going right. to be right. an uphill battle. Uphill, However, uphill. Um, plant the seed. It might be worth, uh, 
uh, trying to, if you could, trying to get them to maybe um, download sure. Headspace or, what, or Calm or whatever app of and their choice I, and, and try to supplement with um, I would just with like that. to say one thing. Therapy is not rent a friend. No, it's there not. There is an art to the way that we talk with people. Absolutely. There, there's a lot of training involved. And so she's really burdening her friend. Her friend doesn't know how to respond in a therapeutic way that is going to help her reframe her thoughts, challenge her thoughts, identify themes and patterns in her thinking and behavior. It's also not her job. It's also not her job. So I'm trained to do that. That's a really great point is that therapy, it, yeah, there it's is not a, a skill to friend. what you yeah, know. No, there's an absolute like, skill to what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I don't have anybody to talk to, so I'm going to go pay you know $200 an hour and just chat. It's not a chat. It's yeah. not a chat. It's an artful, yeah. it's therapeutic, like, it's like strategic mind conversation. Yes, absolutely. And I challenge people and I call them out and I hold up the mirror and I'll yeah. call bullshit, you know, and I'll say, you just contradicted yourself or, uh, you know, this or that. And and I give them feedback in a way I, I, I'm trained to notice things that a lay person wouldn't notice. And so this the the person who wrote this actually may give some advice that's well-meaning but she doesn't know she doesn't she's not qualified to be giving her friend this sort of yeah. psychotherapeutic advice absolutely that's a really great point i would also say like just one more thing to the woman who wrote the question is that i think um in life you ha- have relationships with people who are sort of at your confidence level and like self-worth level. And I think having a relationship with somebody, if you have like a steady life, you like what you do, you like who you are and you have a friend and you have a good friend who's like a disaster, who has really low self-esteem and is always in a crisis. Personally, I don't think those are really healthy people to have around. And I know that might sound really harsh, but I think if you're, you put a lot, if I don't you're know. you're thriving and living your best personally, life. Personally, as somebody yeah. who's put a lot of time into myself, who's done a lot of self-work, I choose not to be close to people that are a mess mm-hmm. because... It's not really fair to me. I've done too much work to get dragged down. Energy is contagious. And if you're around someone who's a fucking mess all the time and there's always an emergency, it's not good for you. You don't deserve to be around it. You you don't owe this person, not your sister. So you just described something that you didn't realize you were describing. It's called level of differentiation of self. And it has to do with a person's level of where they are in terms of their sort of evolvement or actualization. And the psychiatrist Murray Bowen, who was sort of the father or guru of family systems theory, came up with this concept called level of differentiation of self. And we tend to prefer to be around people with a similar relative level of differentiation as our own. And so if you're operating up here mm-hmm. and a friend is operating way down here in, in terms of having insight and being able to manage their affect and um, maybe self-worth and self, self-worth yeah. and and you know being needy or whatever it is those are all abstract measures of differentiation and so it's gonna feel yucky for lack of a clinical term to be around someone if you're at a much higher level operating on a higher level or functioning on a higher level I think that's what you were saying yeah. without realizing that that's actually a thing and yeah. also I do think you uh, it, it's also I think for me the times that I felt like I'm operating on a different level than a friend, it might be that we used to operate on the same level and then you grow out of that level and then they're still at that level. Exactly. Uh, or That's vice what I'm versa. Saying. Or maybe they've evolved and you've, That's exactly you've what fallen I'm talking back. About. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever the dynamic is. 
And uh, and then there's also guilt with that because you're like, oh, well, I invested so much time when we were both at more of a similar level. And now that we've maybe changed levels, you know, you, like we were talking about before, Rose, like, you know, you're like, oh, I've known them for 10 years or yeah. whatever. You're like, oh, yeah, but maybe just simply you're not on the same level anymore. I just want to do a shout out for values and honoring values. Love a shout out. Um, I love a value shout out. Because maybe this listener has the friendship is a value of hers. And so she's struggling with, you know, wanting to honor that and then also feeling used in the relationship. But when in doubt, turn to your values. That's what I tell my patients every day. That's great. Awesome. Love that. Okay. Next, next question. question. So the husband and I recently relocated from the Southwest to the Pacific Northwest for career lifestyle reasons. We've both had our career hustle on lock, but are struggling to make quality friendships like the ones we had before we moved. Most of the casual hangouts we've had feel extremely superficial, and we find ourselves constantly being on the outside of inside jokes. Mm. How do we initiate quality platonic friendships in our 30s when so many of the people we meet already have established groups. Hashtag Seattle Freeze. Also, this is a male listener talking about him and his husband. So just so you guys know, he is queer. Not that it matters, but it could affect his social life, maybe. Great. So that's our next question. What do you think, Kimberly? Well, I think um, it's always easier to get to know people one-on-one than it is in groups. And so I would recommend that this man and his husband go out with you know, just one other person or another couple, because it's hard to, to, you know, latch onto any kind of depth if you're in a group and everybody knows each other. So I would recommend finding one or two people that they like and admire and have similar interests and go that route instead of trying to break into a group, because it's really hard to break into a group. Even when I offer group therapy, if someone doesn't start at the beginning, I don't let them in. Because once the group is formed, the group develops kind of rules and mores, and there's a, an unspoken kind of understanding about how the group operates. And that's why I'll do open groups and closed groups, because it is so hard to break into that mm. culture if, if there's already an established bond. So I would say, itch day the oop grays. Mm. Oh, my God. If you speak Pig Latin. Ig, Otherwise, yeah, you're not going to know what she said. <laughs> Loved it. Well, here's a logistical question for Jamie and you where do you think in your 30s if you move to a new city great tip about the individual but how do you it's like almost like being single like how do you make a new friend if you just move somewhere how do you like ask someone to hang out like where or Skylar feel free anybody oh, like a like a begin to begin like how do you begin to begin sort yeah, of question, like how basically. do you start making friends if you're 30 and like where do you go to find friends this I, I don't I'm not saying this to be dismissive but I do think there is an element of when you move to a new city people are also surprisingly willing to want to help you uh, assimilate and integrate into that new city. I think city. that's regional. I think okay. it depends on what part of the country. That's Seattle. very interesting. And it sounds like people... Seattle's Seattle pretty freeze. progressive. Yeah. Oh, freeze. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's like clicky. Yeah. But, you know, I'm from the Midwest and people always ask me, are you from the Midwest? There's just like something hmm. cultural. I get that with... Te- I grew up in Texas. I feel mm-hmm. like Texans also pick up on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, So that's one thing. Um, Also, you know, if someone has a a spirituality that they practice, that's a place to meet people. Yeah, meditation. Like like either meditation or yoga or a church or a temple or Mm -hmm. a mosque or whatever. Or if there's like a a local LGBTQ scene, maybe a a queer bar that plays RuPaul's Drag Race. But guess how people meet people? 
As friends, where? Through their kids. Well, these people don't have kids. That's my point. Yeah, it makes that's it really harder. interesting. All of our closest friends are our kids' friends. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and I think that's pretty standard right. and yeah. universal. So it's hard to meet people as adults if you don't have that in. It's like, oh, Johnny and Tommy are in the same preschool class. Why don't we have a play date? And then yeah. they come over, and then you meet the parents. And then if you like the parents, it's a no-brainer because then the kids can play and the parents can play. And it's so compatible. But if you don't have kids, I think it's harder to meet people as an adult without children. I feel like as someone in my 30s, I'm making new friends constantly and I don't have kids. So I think it's about putting yourself out there. If I were these guys, I would, I don't know what it's like in Seattle, but in LA, they have like queer kickball leagues. Mm -hmm. They have queer bowling leagues. Not that you have to do a queer one. You could do any kind of thing. I would look into... Bowling leagues, kickball leagues, dodgeball. I'd look into all my gay friends go to bars, gay bars for RuPaul every week and they meet tons of people. I would say find whatever it is that you're interested in and then try and go to some like meetups or like people make friends through rock climbing. I would say find an activity and then just put yourself out there. Like look at events. I would throw in one other thing and it may not go over well, but I think that they should each individually work on separate separate friendships. Oh, I think that's really beautiful advice. I don't advice. W- want them to necessarily be a couple in everything because I wouldn't recommend that to a straight couple or a gay couple. No. You need having same sex friendships of your own is a sign of mental health and well adjustment. Oh, yeah. There's, cool. there's five things that people need to be mindful oh. of. Same sex friendships. So so the capacity to maintain old friendships and also the capacity to forge new friendships. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um Uh, vocation so having a career not just a job but something that you feel really good about that's Mm -hmm. stimulating that is more than just a paycheck Mm -hmm. that tends to help people feel fulfilled and have meaning in their life number three is well then these are equally weighted in no particular order romantic love so the Mm -hmm. capacity to love and have a romantic and sexual relationship with someone Uh, family of origin so this would be um, having boundaries that allow you to keep in touch and have some kind of relationship with your blood relatives, whether that be parents, siblings, or children. Um, People who cut off from their people who uh, have like are estranged from their blood relatives, unless there's a compelling reason. And often there is a legit compelling reason like abuse or violence. But if there's not a compelling reason, if someone can just kind of like, fuck you, you're dead to me, that's not a good sign. So that's number four. Mm. And number five are hobbies, extracurricular oh God, no activities. Hobbies. This is this is a this oh, is, is work. It? Your work, see, you're lucky like I am. Your work is a hobby. Right. You love it so much that it's like a fun thing that you would do even if you weren't getting paid. Oh God, miserable that makes right me, now. That makes me feel a lot better to hear that. Because I, I always am like, is my work a hobby or is it my work? Like I never know. So it's nice to hear well, that. Well, you're killing two birds with one stone. Yes. If you're passionate about it. Yes. And it adds meaning to your life and it's fun and you happen to get paid for it and and, you know, it's a professional identity, then you're good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Because I, I always joke that I have no hobbies because I used to have I used to have actual hobbies. Like I used to like I took painting classes and like French lessons and like yeah. but this was all before I did comedy and then yeah. comedy truly and I DJed randomly. So like comedy replaced all of that. Yeah. And, you and then I was like, cur- you monetized your hobby is what yeah, you did. Okay, good. That's that makes I me did. feel better because I was kind of like, I need to be that person again. Like I haven't like, you know, made a pinch pot in a while or whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, and now I'm like, okay, Hashtag maybe it's pinch fine. pot. <laughs> yeah, hashtag pinch pot. Um, well, that's really great to hear. Yeah, so um, I would tell this listener to go find some friends on his own 
and not necessarily attached to the hip of his partner. And I would say go to a lot of events and activities. Look at the little social calendar of where you are. Go to the websites and just go out. And if you go by yourself to something, you'll make a friend. Go to yes. a comedy show. Go to something. Right. Because if he walks in there with his husband or boyfriend... That also can be intimidating because they're so connected. People just assume they want to be left alone or their own their own little world. So I would say venture out alone independently, and it will be a very different experience. I love that. I think that's such that's like a really that's a really important nugget. Okay, so here is our next and final question of our episode. I met a guy last November and we fell in love pretty quickly. He seriously pulled out the stops. I think it's called love bombing. Hmm. He would cook for me. We made plans for the future, having kids, etc. But then he started the push-pull. He didn't want to spend the night at my place because of his dog. He suddenly had a lot of rules and wouldn't answer a text on time or he was busy. I told him that this was not okay and he apologized and said he would change and I believed him. Well, he hasn't been able to live up to that. I'm a smart girl. I know that there are bad guys out there and I've never dated a bad guy. This guy seemed so good and perfect for me, so I don't understand what to do. He is 50 and never married, if that matters. Maybe that should have been a red flag. He says that he has a problem with intimacy, so he recognized it and wants to change, but doesn't seem to make it stick. We move one step forward and two steps back, and I keep getting bruised in the process. My self-esteem has taken a big hit. Do guys like him ever change? Is 50 years old too late to change? What do you think, Kimberly? I think that's a great question. I would be curious about her age, for one, which we don't have, so that's irrelevant. Um, So when she said, I don't know if it is relevant that he's 50, I was going to shout out, go, yeah, it's relevant. (laughs) Um, So... First, let me start with the beginning of her question. Uh, We put our best feet forward in the beginning of a relationship, right? There's a reason why we don't burp and fart on a first date, right? It's because we want... Oh, we don't? (laughs) Shit. Oh, no, God damn it. Okay, well, I'm really glad you came. If I could turn back time. Um, So some men are charmers, and they get off on having women fall in love with them Mm. and want them. And then they're unable to follow through with the commitment. So they're commitment phobes, but they're addicted to sort of drawing women in. I've been like there the so attention many times. Of the, uh, the attention of someone like lusting after you, essentially. Right. It's a yeah. great feeling. It's very it's euphoric. And wow. it's like, ha, she's totally into me. I, not, I did not, it. <laughs> not that they're tricking or misrepresenting consciously. Some do, I believe. But I, I'm not saying this man does. It might be unconscious. It might be unconscious. I think for a lot of men it is. Um, but it's like, I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to so-called love bomb her. I, lo- I love that term. It's actually a real thing. Um Make her feel so special, you know, make her feel like I'm so devoted to her that she's going to experience, she's going to experience this, this, um, you know, special kind of, oh my God, he's fell from heaven kind of experience. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of imprint myself onto her. And then when I slack off, she'll have tasted the wine, right? There's there, there's like, but I know the potential. In the beginning, he was so amazing and I want that back. But there's it's, no follow through. There's no follow through. And I do believe it can be strategic, even if it's unconscious, to kind of woo, wine and dine, and then throw breadcrumbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, is 50 too old to change? I would say without a good therapist, yeah, probably. It right. doesn't sound like he... The, I think the biggest problem with this guy is she spoke up. Right. And then 
nothing has changed. So my advice for her for this guy is we all have baggage. Everybody's got problems. And if you present somebody with an issue you're having in a relationship and you see them make a change and you see them say, hey, I care about you. I'm going to make a change because this is worth it. Then you can work through the problem. If you deliver your feelings and somebody doesn't do it, then to me, that's all the evidence that you need. Same as with the first question about the friend, you know. To cut that come to Jesus moment, giving the feedback, do you care or not what my experience is? And I would say if he's 50 and he's never had a significant relationship, never been married, no children, uh, that would definitely be a red flag for me. Now, if I could get him in my office, I might be able to, to you know, I give really good head, as I say. Uh-huh. My, oh my, my husband God. likes to say I give good head because yeah. I, you know, shrink, right? Yes, shrink of course, heads. of course. Um, I would love to take a stab at him. Yeah, but, but for this uh, woman, but for this, just as it is, without a significant intervention, I would say, you know, cut your losses. Yeah. What do you think, Jamie? No, I would agree. I yeah, I think that if he's not actively trying to work on his intimacy issues, then it is a bit of a loss. I think that goes for anyone who's in a relationship and, you know, your partner said this part of you doesn't really work for me for X, Y and Z reasons. And then they're not making the effort to try and change it. I I just think, and that works both ways, by the way. If if they're telling you that you do something that, you know. And he's an old dog, right? To teach him new tricks. And you know that he's heard this before, too. This This is is a pattern. Yeah, this is not like unique to you, uh, listener. This is definitely something that has come up again and again. Yes. Uh, I thought it was interesting when you were saying. That some people just want to have women fall in love with them. Mm -hmm. I met a guy several years back who told me he didn't know when he was flirting and Mm. that he's been called a flirt a lot. Mm. And he's like, I have no concept of when I'm flirting. And I was like, what? That there's no. First of all, if that's true initially, now, you know. And I remember he was like really kind of like pulling out all the stops. And I was just like, are you what is your what's your aim here? Like, are you. Are you consciously flirting with me or are you, you know, like, are you what, like, do you right. want something it, or do you just this, like, exactly. do you like that you can flirt with me exactly. and to act completely unaware is such a cop out. Such a cop yeah. out. It's just like bullshit. I, I would also refer. It's just like fuck boy energy. Totally. I yeah. would refer this listener to my podcast, if I may. Oh, please. I just ran a two part uh, series on uh Dating, hookup apps, being single, being, you know, in the big city, millennials, Uh uh um, and sort of the etiquette and trends and psychology around these things. And I also am just about to release an episode on how to get out of an unhealthy relationship. Fabulous. So sex savvy, folks. Sex savvy. And the last thing I want to say to this listener is I don't think it matters how old you are for changing. And I, I think that everyone has issues, but... You've been really hurt in this relationship and you've verbalized what you need and you're repeatedly not getting it. And you literally said your self-esteem has taken a big hit. So you're writing to us, but you already know that this is not a good man. And if you were my friend, I would really encourage you to stop seeing him because you sound young. I have a feeling you're in your 20s. And the longer you spend with this guy, you're kind of just spinning your wheels. And there's a good guy out there who can commit. And every day you're with that this guy, you're not getting that guy. This guy also kind of, he does sound a little bit like big in that he's kind of the ruler of your relationship. 
Um, you know, I feel like, and we've, we have talked about how Carrie's also problematic and there's collusion, but I do feel... Good for you. Yes, I know. I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm taking these lessons with me into my life. But yeah, I do think that Big kind of steers the ship in uh, the relationship with Carrie. He, he, I think, is supposed to be older than her. He yeah. also uh, has, like, the money and the power. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of is like, this is how I do things. And she has to either, like, kind of be on board or not. And you know why it's so compelling for Carrie? Because she can't get her fucking way. Because exactly. she's a spoiled little brat. Right. We don't. Okay. Yes. Yes. And agree or disagree, Kimberly. <laughs> and that's why she can't let go of him. Because she can't get him and then this that, that's what yes. that's what she, it's repetition compulsion that's her Ooh, repetition compulsion repetition compulsion is when we reenact some trauma or unhealed wound over and over and <sighs> over again blindly and we don't know what Hand we're doing raised yeah wow well and also you want to be in a relationship uh that feels a little more mutual i think yes. and if you're in a situation where you're kind of stirring uh, you know mentally stirring all the time and feeling unfulfilled and questioning that's just an exhausting sort of mental cardio that you're doing and you're not burning any calories. But it can also my be, metaphor holds up. It could it. also be a kink. Oh, shit. A masochistic kink. Oh, shit. This is deep shit. That is another dimension I was not expecting. We will have to have a second episode yes, to discuss. Yes, we will. We'll have to bring you back. Fascinating. Wanting something that you can't have and repetition compulsion around like putting yourself out there. Yes, Chelsea's totally shit. Yes, I feel you. Um, and, and sort of reenacting it over and over and over again. And it becomes almost like an erotic, an, an eroticized, uh, need to, to kind of, it's it, the challenge is what is erotic. It's foreplay. Yeah. That is so interesting. Oof. Wow. You just kind of broke me open there. Um, well, Kimberly, I'm so sad that we have to wrap up our podcast because this I feel like we could just talk to you for hours and hours and make a marathon out of this. Um, we're <laughs> definitely going to have you back. You're so fantastic. And you're coming on my show. Oh, too. yeah. We're coming Woo-hoo! on your show. Definitely. We're going to do some crossover. Um, but we end every episode with a segment called I'm Horny For because Sex in the City is a very horny show. So, um, yeah. What are you currently? I can't speak. What are you currently horny for, Kimberly? I am currently horny for Mayor Pete. Oh, he's so good. I loved him. He's so amazing. Yeah. Not in an erotic sense because he's gay. Yeah, sure. But I'm just horny for his tolerance and his intelligence. I'm also horny for a massage and some ramen. Great. That sounds like a great Sunday. Jamie, what about you? Um, I am currently horny for uh, Kurt Cobain's daughter's Instagram, uh, (laughs) Frances Bean. She, (laughs) man. Okay. I, you know what? I'm going to pull up quickly. She, okay. She's just like a very cool teenager. She also is incredibly musically talented and there's a lot of musicians out there who post, you know, sort of like snippets of their songs on their Instagram. And every time she posts, I'm like, your songs are so good. She also posts a lot of videos with other people's music in the background. And it's always like an amazing band that I discover just through her Instagram. And um, I'm going to pull up her music and play it for you guys. But uh, Rose, what are you horny for while I'm doing that? (sighs) What am I horny for this week? You know what? Uh, Jamie and I are really close friends in real life, and we host this podcast. And like any collaborators, we've had our ups and downs. And I'm horny for Jamie and I having really awesome, positive talks 
every time there's been a conflict, because there has been, because we are work partners in some ways, we're work wives. <laughs> and I'm horny for the fact that we both respect and love each other. And when there's a hard thing, we both try and meet each other halfway and we get over it. Yeah, it's really special. And uh, especially after we've done this episode where, you know, we've listened to people talking about their friendship situations. It makes me extra, extra grateful that I feel like we can be transparent with each other. Yeah. And it always leads to like positive communication. And we really do strive to understand each other, which do you know I think who you guys oh, remind me of. <gasps> Tell me. You remind me of um, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Oh, I had a dream about them last night. That's so crazy. That is such a compliment. My my oldest son is an actor and yeah. he had a small role in Pen15. Did he? Who did he play? He it was only just like literally two, not even two two minutes he played uh, scotty field one of the field brothers incredible yeah so he knows them oh my god shout out to your son we're not i want it was about to say i'm horny for your son but that feels (laughs) uncomfortable but i am horny for his success and that's really awesome thank you 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 guys remind me of them hold on here we go guys so good i can't Pretty voice. Oh, she melts me. Beautiful. So yeah, the space witch on Instagram, Kurt Cobain's daughter, fucking, I mean, that family is just, they're just musical geniuses in every way. And it's thrilling that the next generation is so talented. Well, thank you so much for being our guest, Kimberly. We're, we've, we've loved hearing we from you. love you. You are so smart and cool. And we're just, we really appreciate you taking the time to I be here. I had a blast. It was great. And, thank you um, so much for inviting yes, me. Yes. And where can people follow you on social meds? Well, I'm not a big social meds oh, girl. That makes I, me like you even more. My website yeah. is Kimberly at Kimberly My podcast is Sex Kimberly, Savvy. Kimberly Resnick Anderson.com and Sex Savvy is your pod. Yes. Yes. Fabulous. And they can follow me on Facebook. Um and I have an Insta, but it's like a baby Insta. That's okay. I'm old. You're for, well, if you're old, your skin is truly very on point. And I would never <laughs> think of you as an old person. You well, feel thank you. insanely young. And also just a quick shout out to Skylar Hanrath, who, um, yeah, he's just he's really important. He is. I don't even know how to I, I joke that Skylar is my boss because I feel like he has his shit significantly more together than I do. But we work together. He's my assistant. And he's also a huge help with this podcast and um, does a lot of behind the scenes prep. And we're just really grateful for you, we Skylar. Love you, Skylar. Thank you for being here. And we the joke is that you're the white man in the room. So we don't let you talk. Um, <laughs> and uh, that will continue. We're not letting you talk now because we're done with the podcast. But we Bye, love guys. you. Love you, Skylar. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.